Cause you got soul And everybody knows it Cause you got soul <laughs> Anyways, um, hello everybody. Welcome to another session of Thumbs Up or Down, You Decide. I'm Eric Chappelle. I'm Vanessa Beach. Uh, and we're also joined by Maya Taylor as well. Hey. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about Pixar's newest film uh, that just dropped on Disney Plus on Christmas. So thank you, Disney, for giving people a reason to stay home and not go outside. Hashtag wear a mask. Um, I think that, that, that alone did it? No. Well, I still think people went out. Well, that's because of Florida. Anyways, uh, today we're talking about Soul. Uh, this is the newest film uh, directed by Pete Doctor, as well as co-directed and co-written by Kemp Powers. Uh, we'll get to him shortly. So the plot of Soul is Joe Gardner is a music teacher who gets the gig of a lifetime in his eyes. But before he can finally really enjoy that day, suddenly he has a near-death experience. I don't want to go into full details about that because I want you to watch the movie. His only way of getting back is if through helping the Soul 22, who has yet to earn her pass for Earth. Uh, before I get into that, um, tell me a little bit. Uh, what was? Uh, how did you first hear about Soul? Literally saw the trailer for it at the movie theaters when I was still working there and Regal was still open. What movie did you see? I'm just kind of guessing because I actually don't know what movie we were watching at the time. It, I mean, it could have been Tenet. I don't know. Because I definitely remember that Soul was, or not Soul, um, Onward was the very, very last, or no, prior to them opening back up for a very short period of time, Onward was the last movie that we actually saw prior, and then after that it was Tenet. So mm. it could have actually been Tenet that I saw the movie in. Because I did, uh, I did see Tenet two times at Regal, so it could have been Tenet. Uh, the reason I, I wanted to get your story out, because I, I have a long while of knowing about this film. Uh, cause yeah, I saw it in, I saw the trailer for it in the movie theaters. That's basically how it happened for me. After Inside Out, uh, I became really fascinated by the works of Pete Docter, and I it even got me to go back and look at some of the other previous Pixar films just to be like, did I have the right opinion of this guy beforehand? And in all fairness, I do still love Monsters, Inc. I still love in, uh, Up, especially, but Inside Out was my favorite film he had done as both a director and a writer. Because after Inside Out came out, uh, he actually went into a lot of detail in the behind the scenes about how he had so many other ideas that he wanted to implement, uh, possibly into another film. However, I think at the time, Pixar was changing staff at the time. Uh, uh, obviously, John Lasseter being one of them. Uh, don't ask me why. Uh, Google it yourselves, people. It was John Lasseter. <laughs> uh, John Lasseter was the head of Pixar, as well as the director of Toy Story and Cars. Mm -hmm. Basically, he had to leave, and thus Pete Docter had to kind of step in and fill in leader. And this was around the time that Pixar was making this decision that after Toy Story 4, they were not going to do any more sequels for a good while. Including Inside Out, which broke my heart a little bit. But luckily, I think Docter managed to find a loophole with his, new, with his next film, Soul. So they were going to actually do a... a, a sequel to uh, Inside Out. Pete Doctor did say that he did have a lot of ideas on the on the drawing board that he really thought could work for a sequel. Uh, I think he did especially want to go into more about uh, Riley's adolescence. Okay. But, you know, obviously higher up said no, so gotta improvise with what you got. 
And it's funny because I think uh, he also described that Soul was a film that I took a good while uh, to get really developed. Like, I think as much time as Inside Out. One of the people that definitely had a major uh, attributing factor was Kent Powers. Now, for those who don't know, that name is going to be popping up a lot more in award ceremonies. Because not only did he work on this film, he worked on the film One Night in Miami. Originally, Doctor was... Uh, Talking about how, like, originally uh, Joe wasn't supposed to be a music perf uh, teacher. He was supposed to be, like, a doctor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as, so as the development went on, they decided, okay, we'll make him a musician. And if he's going to be a musician, we might as well make him black. But if we're going to make him black, we might as well bring somebody who can represent the black culture very well. He actually contributed uh, apparently so much that they had to give him a co-director credit. And this was going to be something that I really would have loved to have seen in theaters, but obviously COVID hit, so it had to go to streaming. Mm. <laughs> Do you think the theater experience would have helped this movie? Mm, potentially, especially if it was a 3D film. People, that, that, that could have definitely helped quite a bit with sales and stuff like that, especially with certain moments of, of this movie. Um, I mean, honestly, I think a good portion of the recent animated films could do benefit from the theatrical experience because I mean animation is actually getting so vast and, and and advanced that it's almost like you're actually believing that these worlds are real more the, the, the more and more these movies are being made and this is definitely one of them um, so I mean I don't think it, it would have hurt if it had been in a uh, theater um, I don't think it would I mean, I think it would have been, it's, it's good either way or, but I definitely don't think it would have hurt if it was shown in the theater. It's Pro funny. It, it probably would have only submerged someone even more if they, they were in the theater experience and made mm -hmm. them feel even more like they were in, involved in the movie. Cause that's part of obviously the whole thing with theatrical experiences is it tends to make you feel like you're in the, the story with, with uh, the characters and stuff like that of the movie that you're watching it with, but like I said, I think it definitely could have helped, but I, I don't think it hindered it <laughs> in any way with it not being in theaters. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned uh, it being in 3D as well, because, uh, I mean, I can definitely remember at least seeing the them in 3D in theaters, but in terms of, like, you know, like, 3D being, being the selling point of that movie, it's like, yeah, a lot of the recent animated films that have been coming out this year, whether it's from Pixar or DreamWorks or even some of the outsider studios that are able to get uh, pay for it, they've definitely benefited from it because uh, CGI does benefit from having that, that 3D gimmick considering yeah. it already does look like it's popping out at you. Like I said, it, it also just, it kind of makes you feel like it, you're a part of that world. It, that was kind of the way it, I think it fell with Inside Out because of the fact that it was so resonating with a lot of people mm -hmm. and the, their emotions psychologically and, and all that but especially with how much the real world detailing is getting like also with Onward too I mean mm -hmm. Onward even though it was obviously fantasy sci-fi based that was a resonating film as well and it kind of made you feel like you were a part of the world it, and it didn't matter if, if it was a movie about mythical creatures and obviously it only helped with, with the theatrical experience, and I'm obviously I'm sure it would have helped if it was 3D, but like I said, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it definitely, I think, helps to, to have you submerged into the world with it because of how uh, 
advanced the CGI is getting. Yeah, I mean, I still think back to Toy Story 4 and thinking it's like, this world looks too realistic, and that Woody looks too cartoony. What is going on? I actually <laughs> don't think I ever saw uh, yeah, Toy Story 4. Even without seeing the movie, it's like, if you look at the animation and some of the trailer, it's like, you can tell it's like, this looks way too good. But then again, it's like, you know, Pixar, uh, Disney's already been trying to do real-world stuff with Lion King, and the less said about that, the better. I have no idea. Let's just say uh, I'm, a man, I, I'm a man who loves his cartoon. Is that on Disney Plus? It is. Both versions. Mine as well. That's not a contradiction. Well, I don't know how else to say it, you know. So I'm like, Are you suggesting we do Lion King next? So well, not next. Some... Next is Wonder Woman, goddammit. Oh, yeah, that's hey. right. <laughs> hey, if Warner Brothers can play around with release dates, so can we. Uh, but anyways, um, <clears throat> let's get back to the... T- anyways, uh, talking about Soul. That's uh, that's the first thing I want to talk about, because obviously Pixar's animation keeps improving each mm-hmm. film afterward and afterward and afterward. Like, uh, I think I even mentioned to you, at the time, my top three, in terms of animation purely alone for Pixar, was Incredibles 2, Coco, and... Uh, did I say Inside Out uh, last time, or did I say... Did I mention Onward? To be honest with you, I'm not sure. I know I, you mentioned Onward, and... and uh, well, I think even then, I'd probably say that the new yeah. third contender is now Soul, because uh, as much as I do love the the look of the... Yeah, the great before, sorry. I thought we entered the afterlife. We don't. Um, oh. Spoiler alert. Yeah, th- there, there are other factions that I just forgot the names to, but looking at the real world, uh, oh my god, it looks real. It, it looks really real. I, I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it, except it's that, it's that good to where it's like, it's getting kind of hard to tell where it's real sometimes had it not been for the shiny characters well, this is actually my, my my question is i wonder if they actually how much research went into the great before they decided the great before was going to look like how much research did they do about that did they even do research or is that strictly based on what they believed or what they would want to see when they when they passed over or you know like is there any research that went into it I remember when I had that question about Inside Out with Psychology, you mm-hmm. mentioned that he did like a shit ton of research about that, which is one of the reasons why the movie was so good. Uh, it, it, it's not, it is confirmed that uh, Pete Doctor does identify as a Christian, but he's one of those people who doesn't really bring it up that, mu- uh, bring it up that much, because it's like, look, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. It's like, I, you talk to me about film, that's what I'm going to talk about. And he talks about how like a lot, he does try to put in some teaching of it but not in a way that feels like it's only specific to like people of this religion or of like a certain gender or something like that it's like he always tries to make sure it's that like neutral towards everyone exactly and i'd imagine that this is this like to really give people an insight about life itself that's all um, that's beware something that atheists huh beware atheists <laughs> uh, uh yeah i yeah. don't want to get into religion like I said, I, I always kind of tend to wonder when I see movies like this, like how much the afterlife that's portrayed in the movie is based on what they would like it to be, or... Just what, a big bug zapper. Or like they grew up believing it to be, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's like a lot of books written on the afterlife and like what people claim that they've 
mm-hmm. scene when they on like from like near death experiences and stuff like that. So I'm like wondering, like, did he actually like, read those books, or is this strictly based on like imagination or what he'd actually like to see, or you know? I'd assume it's all the above. Um, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people who believes that anyone's interpretation of a hell is probably somebody else's heaven. So I'm pretty sure somebody's got their personal heaven just being watching people go up into a bug light. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's, that was definitely one of my, my notes when, in regards to watching this movie because it, I definitely like the, the, the great before, but I definitely would have been fascinated to wonder what their depiction of the great beyond, because I'm like, if that's what you think the great before was like, and you're calling it the great before, is it anywhere near close to, you know, what the great, you know, like... Either one of these two. (laughs) Basically, like, you know, does it look anything like that? Or, you know, because I definitely caught the whole light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, or like the bridge. (sighs) I'm just now realizing that. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely realized that whole, like, light at the end of the tunnel, or like, light at the end of the bridge, is like a lot of people, when they go through near-death experiences with that, they tend to mentioned that they they noticed that for some people it's a bridge for some people it's a tunnel yeah they see a light at the end of it so i also want to imagine that scene where uh those moments where it's like uh there's this one character who takes out souls at one point it's like i'd imagine if i want to imagine if that was somewhat inspired by get out i've never seen that movie oh okay uh there's oh wow that we're gonna have to add that to the list because i don't want to spoil that movie but yeah, uh, I would have liked to have seen their interpretations of uh, both heaven and hell. At least, even if we didn't spend a lot of time on that, it's like it would have been nice to like get kind of get a glimpse of it. I was okay with with them not exploring like all sides of it. Just like said, so I was like, I wonder if the Great Beyond looks anything like the Great Before, because I was like, the Great Before looks pretty close to what you would think a heaven would look like. So I'm just and like like said the colors and stuff like that. So like based on what like I. Because I've read a lot of these books with that, so... And with the music as well, because um, being a story about jazz, it's like, and being an animated film as well, it's like, everybody always talks about how, like, there are different types of jazz, and it's like, uh, the one jazz that I usually like is soothing jazz, and that's how I kind of describe the movie. It's like, kind of like watching a soothing jazz a session at times, because there are moments where Joe, uh, when Joe gets lost in his moments of playing the piano, where it's like it does feel soothing, even though it's like he's just going really into it. I think those are probably my my favorite moments of of the, the jazz playing because slow melody that they were doing right after that first fast one after when they were performing together uh, live. I wasn't really too into the song because it just it, I'm not really too into like songs that are like that slow and low of a tune. Are you talking about the one at the end? I believe so. I felt like if they kind of broke that up a little bit easier, where it's like they saved the slow part for the end, it might have flown better. So, but I mean, yeah, the the the, the songs and like when when he was in his meditation stage, though that was by far the, the the jazz number that I liked the most. Although I definitely noticed the repetitive song. I guess you call it lay motif that they that they kept using every time. Uh, not Jerry, but Terry. Oh yeah. They kept playing with Terry whenever he appeared on screen. <laughs> that kind of like um, like a tune that you would hear if if you were watching um, like a spy at work or something like that. You know. Oh. Like Inspector Gadget kind of thing. 
mm. like someone who's like literally trying to like look for something you know kind of like that that whole like kind of like the pink panther like how the pink panther had like mm-hmm. a very specific theme every time you know yeah did that kind of that was kind of like what i was reminded of every single time terry came on screen and you're really hearing that freaking tune and I can't even like re- repeat the tune now, but like it's there's this very specific tune that is played whenever he comes on. I'm like, oh dear God, this this freaking tune again. <laughs> Time for the accountant. <laughs> yes, literally. As she calls herself. Or like literally that they, that even that song that you hear even when you're watching Jaws and and the shark about to come. Oh yeah. Get past that. <laughs> It was done by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Um, mostly have been known for doing like a lot of David Fincher films recently, and they actually recently did Mank as well. So, um, but I'm gonna say right now, this is easily their best effort yet. Like going off of what I've heard from Mank and what I've heard from uh, Soul, this definitely has um, a little bit more variety to uh, at least what I'm expecting, or at least what I usually expect from their work. Also, uh, John, uh, do you know who John Baptiste is? No. Okay. Um, he's the he's the head, he's one of the head pianists of the band uh, Stay Human. Uh, they're the band that plays on the show Stephen Colbert, and he was actually brought on as the piano player f- uh, to fill in for Joe. And he was actually the the mo- uh, his hands were actually used to model uh, Joe's piano playing in the movie for the animators. Oh, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, he also wrote the song at the end of the credits as well. You got, uh, It's All Right. You got Soul. It's all right. Because you got Soul. And everybody knows it. Yeah, I, I, how did, I must have. It was I at the heard. end credits, so. Okay. To be yeah, fair, we rewatched the film just before recording this, so we kind of cut the inside. I don't think I've ever time. actually watched the end credits. <laughs> Oh dear! I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. As as it's I fine. Do that, as soon as the movie stopped, that's when I stopped. To be fair, I did too, so I'm guilty of the same thing. Typically, I don't ever actually watch the end credits. I'm one of those horrible people. There are sometimes where I'll like stay for like some of like the big main credits and then probably leave. But if it's a film that I like really enjoyed and have a lot of respect to, there'll be like a lot. Uh, times where I just like I'll need a moment to like kind of sit back and just like reflect a little bit before I stand up although it's not actually about finding your your spark it's about whether or not you're ready to live and I think that's actually important because with with a lot of people tend to misguide sometimes what you do for a living is not actually what your purpose is it's your 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 career or whatnot is just kind of a means to fulfilling your purpose if that makes sense yeah. It's mostly, it's not about figuring out what your life is. It's about enjoying life. Because a lot, like I said, a lot of people tend to associate like, oh, I, I love this, I love that. But the thing is, is why do you love that? And, and it's, I, it, 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 was, it was mentioned on there quite a lot with them saying that they've, they've wanted to, when people want to obtain something, but when they finally obtain it, they're still not happy or they're still wanting something else. It's like... Sometimes what you're actually wanting is not actually what's going to make you happy. That was I. Uh, that was something that I noticed that uh, the film La La Land, another jazz film, uh, actually kind of taught us is that, you know, at the end you see that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling got their dreams, but are they happy? Not really. In, in all honesty, I'd say Soul does a better job of 
demonstrating that theme particularly the people that joe's like kind of associated himself around and Mm -hmm. you know you not only get to know about joe as well but you get to know about their lives as well and just like especially the barber uh dez well basically Uh, mentioning like his life and and finding your purpose and uh, oh if, if you're not doing what is you originally thought you must be unhappy and it's like not necessarily that's what he what he tells him just because you're wanting that one thing doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna be the one thing that makes you happy sometimes life takes a detour and that's okay mm-hmm. because you end up finding out what it is that you also enjoy that actually happened same thing with me we both have a lot of experience spend years at at a college trying to learn to become like you know successful filmmakers but are we at that point far from it but luckily we do still have jobs and that does it's not what we want but it's like it's still some that keeps us going to some degree for me i ended up realizing after i I graduated that film is necessarily what or creating films is necessarily what passion is i think it's just a medium to what it is i actually want to do it's just a medium of a step in the right direction with what my passion is and that's obviously helping people yeah. But the same thing, I also get the same thing from, with, with, with the other career, which is personal training, which I'm still learning. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing that they definitely touch on is that, oh, you know, how are you supposed to find what it is you're, you're passionate about or what you like? And that's the thing is some people go after a specific thing, not realizing that one thing that they're going after may not actually be what they're wanting or what's actually going to make them happy. And then on the way to doing that, life takes a detour and then they end up finding out what is it they actually enjoy even more or at least just as much and it's not even that one particular thing it's just something to light that flame with their passion because with the guy conversing and and Mm -hmm. the conversations that he has with people and stuff like that i think his his passion was just people speaking of talking i want to get into the voice acting because uh jamie fox really gave the I'm, I'm gonna say right now I think this is easily his best performance because as an even from mm-hmm. looking at this from an animated film perspective it's like I could not recognize his voice that and I'm sorry Tina Fey oh Tina Fey yeah it's Dear like God she was good in this film yeah her performance as 22 oh and Lord it, she honestly this was one of her best roles. Uh, she was just someone who just really kept the scene engaging, uh, regardless of whether it was a joke or not. It's like, even though they do kind of illustrate that she is annoying at some times, it's not annoying to us. It's it's, yeah. it's just comical. But I mean, I was already a fan of Tina Fey even prior to this film, but you could tell she was having fun with this role. I'd also want to point out, uh, in Inside Out, that starred A.B. Poehler, and her comedy partner, Tina Fey, is now the star of Pete Doctor's next film. I like said it. I'm just like a lot of these these women. You like said you can just tell that they're having fun. It really teaches you that your your work doesn't have to just be on film in order for it to be your best work. Like I said, I think that their passion is just a means to something else. It's it's just the medium that they're using to accomplish what they're actually wanting to do. Mm-hmm. With hers, I don't necessarily know if she had really a medium, but I think that one thing that it definitely pointed out was that when she was. I think when you're you're I, with, with her, it wasn't even just being in his body, being in his body, and, and feeling that his passion for jazz music. It was <laughs> was in the grade before. You don't feel anything. You're not feeling any sensations. You're not able to smell. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's almost like an empty canvas when you're actually in the world, having all those sensations. It actually makes it that much more real. You can't feel the bitch slap yet. <laughs> One of my favorite. 
scenes in this damn movie, man. And I think part of the reason why I love the film, there was a film, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, with with Zac Efron and um, Matthew Perry, where Matthew Perry becomes, uh, the movie is 17 again. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about, where he turns into Zac Efron? Yeah, well, he turns back into his younger self, but he ends up going to like a party as, as Zac Efron and... Literally, I can't count how many times he got slapped by everyone that night. <laughs> his daughter, his wife, his roommate slapping him. God knows how many. I mean, he probably got slapped more than ten times. His mailman, his gardener, his banker. His daughter's <laughs> friends. Literally, his daughter's everyone friend. freaking slapped him. That scene in, in, in the movie when she's just like slapping him, he's not feeling it. It's just like she's just slapping him for no reason. <laughs> just, just to irritate him. Even though he can't, and when when she's like, I know I can't feel the police don't touch me. <laughs> it's just, which I, I'm sorry, it's like another part of like Tina Fey's acting when, when she, I'm like, just when, when she's acting and she's making it comedic, but at the same time she's trying to act annoying. I'm just like, wow. Part of me wants to think because uh, they do have one. Uh, they do have a little bit where they like cut to flashback in some parts, but it's like I kind of want to admit those bits were improvised. So yeah, just it's it's with with. I don't know. With, I'm lost. I'm, I've lost my train of thought now. Someone pop my bubble. <laughs> Why, you asked for a pop. <laughs> I said someone popped my bubble. Oh, sorry. Freaking joke, man. It's a soul joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm wearing headphones. I was lost in translation you. here, people. I was, I, was, I was in a flow, and then someone popped it, and now I just forgot where the hell I was going. Sorry. One person I was actually kind of surprised to see in the film was Graham Norton. He was actually one of the selling points that I had to convince my mom about because uh, she's a big Graham Norton fan. Do you, wait, do you know who Graham Norton is? I believe... You, you could probably... We'll, we'll do research after is this. Is that Graham Norton? Like the guy on Frasier? Or is that... Am I completely getting him mistaken for someone else? Play... play. Frasier, but I'm, I don't... Oh, no, that's Kelsey Grammer. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry, nope, okay. I don't know who Graham... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Graham Norton's... Uh, he's, he's a really funny guy. Uh, there there was actually one interview that I, uh, where Emma Stone was on, and she talked about how she was secretly a Spice Girls fan, and he was giving this kind of talk like he was going to surprise her with, like, they're here behind stage and they're here to see you. And it's like, well, the Spice Girls are definitely not here. <laughs> and Emma went from, like, wonder to, like, fuck you. <laughs> but going back to Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, because... Um, oh, that's what I was going to mention. Like, so they're just, they, were, they were both... Their acting in, in, this, in this film was just impeccable. I mean, like I said, you could definitely tell that they both were having such a good frickin' time with these, with these roles. Even Rachel House as Terry, uh, who I kind of joked at one point, is like, I'd probably be Terry in this world because I'm obsessive just like trying to do the right thing and just making sure no one cheats. There, there's a particular scene when, when, when Jerry is describing what he is and he goes, you can call me Jerry. And I'm like, how about I play Miranda? Is that okay? That's one th- I would have been like one of those supposed to be like, can I just play Miranda or something? Or just like jokingly calling them something different to see if that's okay. <laughs> and I like how there's like all these Jerry's but the one Terry. There's always know. a Terry. I'm like, yeah, Karen. 
Karen. No, I don't know. I think Karen would have been trying to throw Joe in hell. After a while, I probably would have been would would have been twenty two in, in this in this film mm-hmm. with sarcasm and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I definitely would have been her at the end because I it's it's pretty much me at work. So much anxiety. Um, my favorite scene of them together, uh, Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx, is when they're trying to talk to Felicia Rashad, uh, who plays Joe's mom, mm. where they're trying to converse with her. Like, just the perform- uh, just the dialogue that's spoken between those two, because it does, yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree, but at the same time, because I, I definitely have family members like her, but at the same time... I don't know if they would be as supportive right away as his mother was. No. Because they're just like that. <laughs> they have to make everything more difficult. So I'm just like, like I said, I definitely like it for, for other people with that courage of standing up and, and for yourself and, and realizing this is what I want to do, you know, et cetera, and, and standing up to people in your life that may be bullying you or putting you down or criticizing or whatever, but... It wouldn't be that easy for me. And I'm sure for a lot of other people who just have family members who are that controlling. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Where, uh, not, not to kind of put this in any other caliber with Pixar, but if I was to narrow this down with Pete Doctor's work, uh, i definitely probably say I did prefer Inside Out a little bit more, mostly in the fact that it does... It, it does speak to kids very well. I think the main reason I'm thinking of it is that it's a more adults-centered uh, animated film, but not in the sense of, like, it's vulgar or anything like that, but more of so it's trying to handle these... The... Adult, adult situations where a, a lot of adults... Would, it's, it, I get what you're saying. It's, mm. it's more of a uh, movie where it's... You're dealing with things that adults mostly deal with. I don't know many kids that would be asking their mom what my passion is. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's my passion? Too, where you, they, they don't give a shit. It's, it's, <laughs> you gotta damn, figure it, it out. But I thought I did. It's like, I want the Lego. That's my passion. <laughs> Zach, he's a Lego maniac. So I, I don't know. I'm like, for, for me, I'm thinking maybe like Onward would be better for kids. Mm-hmm. Is more geared towards kids, possibly. But... This one's definitely a little bit more towards adults with the themes and stuff like that of what's going on. Um, That's what I was kind of saying. It's like, I don't get me wrong. I, I love this movie, um, but I'm just saying in if I had to pick one or the other, it's like I'd probably pick Inside Out because it's something that I think kids have an easier time of settling into. Pete Doctor is someone who always tends to like add a lot of personal, uh, per, uh, some of his personal inner struggles into his work uh because when monsters inc was coming out like that was around the time when a lot of those people were becoming dads and mm. doctor was one of them i actually would resonate a lot with that because a lot of what i'm trying to create with tv shows and films like that a lot of it is based on my own experiences with with growing up family members etc i think yeah. that's one of the reasons why i'm liking a lot of these films of his is because they're very personally resonate with them Highly. Yeah, and he also does know how to connect with audience members like that. Because with Inside Out, he mentioned it's like uh, he had asked, like, "What's going on in your head?" Like, because she was going into like one of those like you know preteen uh, depressive states, which mm. is is kind of understandable to be a little bit concerned about. And 
this was this this also works as something therapeutic much like inside out where especially for these dark times where it's like if you're unhappy with your life just watch this movie and it'll definitely help give you that pickup of realizing it's like just enjoy it it's like you know well that and what you're doing may not be what it is that you're meant to do for the rest of your life sometimes your your passion can be found in a hobby or you know mm-hmm. or because there's a lot of people that what they do for a living is just simply to pay the bills it's not something that they're actually like they really love that's and that's where they, they really end up going into a hobby that they really love you know mm-hmm. so i mean yeah it doesn't always mean that what you're doing is actually what you're passionate about. Thumbs up? Oh, yeah, definitely thumbs up. And this is coming from someone who's not the biggest on jazz music. I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite style of music. I'll say this. I, l- I will say I loved it more than La La Land, so it mm-hmm. is a better jazz film in that sense. So anybody who wants to complain about me, I'm admitting it. <laughs> but I, def- I definitely enjoy- enjoyed the film all around. It was, just, it was very, very yeah. well done. I'll also say this. Top, uh, top top three for me, I think, recently with... But yeah, I definitely would say, like, for me, it's, it's like Inside Out, Onward, Soul. But then again, I also like the fact that I, I am one of those people that likes movies that take on a spiritual approach to it, and that's exactly what Soul does. Um, I'll even also say this. Uh, it's also not quite my favorite film of 2020. Um... I might be, uh, we could be doing something that later down the line, uh, but for now, it's definitely another home run for Pixar, and mm-hmm. so, and luckily, if, if you got Disney+, Plus, no need to go home, uh, or, or go to the, <laughs> no need to go, <laughs> no need to go home, children. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, if you got Disney+, Plus, you could definitely just, like, stay home and watch that, and also watch Mulan now that it's free and not under a premium access bullshit wall. Actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I was told that Mulan sucked. I have not I, watched I it yet. I can't say anything. I'm just Neither basing on, it, on what I've read from dozens of comments on the, the, the YouTube trailer. So mm-hmm. proceed with caution, ladies and gentlemen. Proceed with caution. One person even said, if you're, want, if you're about to watch this movie for nostalgia from your childhood, they said... It was a waste, and but again, I haven't watched the movie yet, so I can't say anything. I do have to ask: Was one of those comments you read "Go to Panda Express" instead? No. Damn it. <laughs> I guess one of the next films we have to do is Mulan here, just to kind of you know compare and contrast with with that because I oh. was okay with watching it, despite the fact that they took out the freaking dragon people. How goddamn dare you? Yeah, it's like that you replace movie. It's like, oh, don't give well, Mulan a sidekick. Uh, give the villain a sidekick who turns into a phoenix, and that's not... Oh, wait. The phoenix isn't the real villain. It's boring Jason Scott Lee. It just... I, I, I don't know. We'll, I guarantee we'll you later. if we... I guarantee you if we watch Mulan, if I say we're doing our worst of 2020 next, it's like, that's that's not going to stop me. So, yeah. Um, thumbs up with Soul. Yeah, thumbs up and whistle. Go but, watch that. But, but, but we'll review Mulan another day. Oh, yes. Once I get the Beauty and the Beast review finished. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, that has been our discussion on Soul. So this has been Thumbs Up or Down, You Decide. I'm Eric Trapel. I'm Melissa Leach. And we will see you all next time. Take care, everybody.